Up next on CCRI Radio is the Student Project Spotlight, stories and reporting from students in CCRI courses. You can learn more about courses in the Communication and Film Media program at ccri.edu slash com. You're listening to CCRI Radio from the Community College of Rhode Island, online at ccri.edu slash radio. First up is a CCRI Radio special report produced by Robert Lee to help commemorate Black History Month. This piece was created in CCRI's Multimedia Reporting course. This is Robert Lee for CCRI Radio. On February 19th, I had the pleasure of Zooming with Eric Jackson of Boston's WGBH Radio. His many accolades include recognition as one of the 100 most culturally influential Bostonians of the 20th century by the Massachusetts College of Art. His GBH bio refers to him as the Dean of Boston Jazz Radio. He has worked there since 1977. I asked him about his father, Sam Jackson, who became New England's first African-American radio announcer in 1947. Here are a few excerpts from Eric talking about his father during his days on Rhode Island Radio. He was the first African-American radio announcer in New England. Black folks on the radio was, was new everywhere. There had been some celebrities who had radio shows, but there were there weren't just regular folks on the radio. That was all new. There was an article, and I believe it was from October of 1947, in Ebony Magazine, and it it uh, talked about the first African American radio announcers, and they didn't really mention him except that my father, except that there was a sidebar. And in the sidebar, they listed my father's name. I think he had only been on the air a few months at that time. So he had to be aware that he was uh, breaking new ground, too. You know. Across the country, I don't think many stations had realized there was a market even among African-Americans for music. So they weren't even like what we would call black stations until around that same time. But uh, certainly being on a white station, playing a, a slightly more diverse playlist. That was really unheard of. At best, my father was only on the air for three years, from somewhere between 1947 and 1950. So I was only a few months old when the family moved to Camden. I think he was looking for work. I don't think he was making enough money in radio to support a wife and three kids. He worked at WHIM, WWON, that one was in Woonsocket, and WRIB. He worked at those three stations. Uh, I, I, I think he felt that uh, Providence itself had uh, a lot of racial problems. And I know he would uh, sometimes talk about that and say that's one of the reasons why he left Providence. He didn't like the racial uh, climate in, in Rhode Island. I do know about the uh, club that uh, he went to with a musician and the musician was white and they uh, wouldn't let my father into the club and my father actually sued them because he, he couldn't get admissions to the club. The whole thing though, you know, this is probably why he didn't make any money. He had to do sales uh, for his own show. Part of the problem with that was in a town that has had a large white population, there were a lot of 
advertisers that wouldn't advertise on a black show. Wow. You know, so that uh, that that made making a living doing radio all the more challenging. Those excerpts were from an interview with Eric Jackson of the WGBH Jazz Show, Eric in the Evening. He shared many other stories about his father, Sam Jackson, who was the first African-American radio announcer in New England. Stay tuned to CCRI Radio for more from that interview in the future. The music was courtesy of bensound.com. For CCRI Radio, this is Robert Lee. You're listening to the Student Project Spotlight on CCRI Radio. Tune in each week for stories and reporting from students in CCRI courses. Learn more about courses in the communication and film media program at ccri.edu. You're listening to CCRI Radio from Community College of Rhode Island online at ccri.edu. Our second feature today is an audio documentary short by Anya Faris Anastasio, produced in CCRI's Sound Design and Production course. So, I think we can all agree that the year 2020 has been a year to remember. Whether it be from the murder hornets or the presidential election, the ongoing pandemic, social injustice, Kobe Bryant, anything in between, we have had a year full of stress and anxiety. And with everything going on, I can gladly and confidently say that I am done with this year and I cannot wait to go into the next year with a new mindset and different positivity. But the year 2020 wasn't so bad. There's this one day that I want to highlight. On June 5th, 2020, About 10,000 people gathered in the heart of Providence, downtown Kennedy Plaza. And Kennedy Plaza holds a real near and dear place to my heart because that is where I took the bus. That's where I've met so many different characters and people. And a lot of memories have been made there with my friends and I. But this particular day has been really special to, to me because on that day, we were going to march with thousands of other people for social injustice, police brutality. So my friend Zach and I, we work at the same restaurant and we had been planning to go to this protest for a couple weeks by now. And so the the day and time finally came, about 4.30, we clocked out and we got out of our work clothes and we threw on all black, black masks, black hats, black shirt, black pants, black shoes, you name it. We were ready. We made our signs in the parking lot And then from there on, we walked to City Hall in Providence, and that took only about five minutes. And on the walk there, my friend and I, we were pretty lonely because it seemed like we were the only two walking. But as we kind of merged onto one of the other main streets, we saw a whole crowd of people walking down the street. When I say crowd, I say that lightly because I probably mean more like hundreds of people. Blaring horns, holding up signs, all wearing black. It was a beautiful scene to actually see and to see the creativity of all of these signs. And we were walking towards the state house with a huge group of people around us. And while walking around, we're yelling, having fists in the air. You know, we're yelling, no justice, no peace. You know, hands up, don't shoot. 
Black Lives Matter, all these things that uh, are pretty normal, I guess, out of protests. This was my first one, so I figured I would just follow suit. Anyways, as we're walking, I see that the National Guard is there. You know, they got their big army trucks and they've got all their armor. And then they're carrying around M16s as well. So, you know, it kind of scared me for a little bit because at that time, you know, in the country, um, with all these other protests, there has been nonstop violence. So going into this one in Providence, I had really no idea what was going to happen. And so when I'm seeing these M16s and all these guns, I'm just thinking like, wow, like, what a peaceful protest. <laughs> Anyways, my friends and I are approaching the state house, and it seems like more and more people are joining. Every time I look behind me, there it's just a wave of people. I couldn't see the street. So we get to the state house and we're on the steps while they're setting up the speakers and the microphones so that their leaders can, you know, give their speeches and talk to everyone in attendance. It was really cool and interesting to hear all of these different stories and uh, different things that they had to share with us, you know, their own personal experiences with uh, racial injustice and social injustice, even in the state alone. You know, the youth group that ran this whole thing, it was a, uh, a youth group based out of uh, Black Lives Matter, but in Rhode Island, and they organized the whole thing together. They created the posters and spread them all around. And I think that's how they were able to get 10,000 people there, especially through social media. Anyways, I had a couple of friends that actually spoke in front of that large, large group of people. And I wanted to bring them in today so I can ask them a few questions just about the experience and what was it like, you know, going to the protests and being at the forefront of everything. The first question I'm going to direct towards Jay. Um, so what does BLM mean to you and what were your initial thoughts about the protests? Appreciate you having me, Anaya. The BLM movement to me is something deeper than just protests and the movement itself. Especially with the history of our nation, the BLM movement feels like it's been going on forever, to be honest. It just has been under different names throughout, uh, but the fight has always been the same. The protest in Providence was amazing. Saying, like, seeing all those people there, shoot, I didn't even think there were that many people in Rhode Island. But it was definitely something to see. The amount of people who were were there all, all with the intention to bring about change was something to remember and as a person of color growing up in this country to see all those people of different races and backgrounds come together for the cause that has had a um, direct impact on me and even more direct impact on those who've been a victim to it it, it was amazing for real. it truly was awe-inspiring and really really nice to see all those people gather together to come together and support one cause and it was really beautiful because there was all kinds of different people there so much diversity so anyways i want to ask you the next question which is how did you feel about the fact that there are more than ten thousand people there together at once during a pandemic uh well as for a health perspective it probably was not in our best interest to all be out there during a pandemic um but such a situation could have been avoided, you know. I highly doubt anyone woke up wanting to go to a protest due to civil unjust, uh, unrest. Uh, 
but such an event just happened to have taken place because unfortunately we had to witness yet another unjust mistreatment and killing of a person of color at the hands of those who are meant to protect us but the protest also just goes to show how passionate serious and as well as fed up people are with racism and in general just uh, discrimination of any group of people so much so that 10,000 people were willing to put their own health and well-being at risk for a cause that they believed in you know and now you're completely right about that like I completely agree because that those were my initial thoughts when I saw all those people like it really is crazy to see all of these people putting their health and family lives at risk is basically to come together for one cause that they truly believe in it's actually kind of crazy now that I'm asking you this six months after the fact because I still never even got to hear like how you felt about talking. So here's my chance. Um, what was it like to talk in front of a crowd of 10,000 people? Uh, before getting up on the mic and speaking, I definitely was nervous. It was nerve wracking. My heart was beating a little faster. My thoughts were racing and overall just anxious. Uh, when I finally got up there and started speaking though, I really got to get a look of like exactly how many people were at the protest and it was it was a lot. The crowd was probably all the way down the street and some. Um, that's when I also realized though how impactful the idea, the movement of BLM and equality in general is. Um, speaking was crazy. To be honest, I don't even remember what I was like what I was saying. I really just got up there and winged it. I was talking based off how I felt, which was just pure passion for the cause and for change. Mm, hearing everybody clap after when I was finished was surreal. The The whole moment was just surreal to me. Just just the protests, the speaking, all that was like, wow, this, this is real. This is crazy. Um, definitely worthwhile, though, the protests and the speaking. Um... I wasn't even going to speak at first, but after doing it, I was I was so glad that I actually did. Thanks a lot, Jay, for your answers. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to turn to Zach now with a couple questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. First question, Zach, what does it mean to be black in America to you? To me, being black in America is something to be proud about. It's something that I look at everything that my people have had to fight for and had to overcome and it makes me uh, really proud to be able to call myself black and live in America. At the same time, it feels like you're walking with a target on your back and from a very young age you have to learn that and learn how to act a certain way and regardless of what people say or how they feel, most of the times you're going to be in the wrong and that's a lot about being black in America today. What inspired you to take the mic and talk in front of 10,000 people? Uh, when I got up on when I got up to the front, what inspired me really was the moment, honestly, the people around me. I felt like it would be a waste of my intellectual ability to not say anything or a waste of my emotions to not say how I felt. So when I got up to the front and they handed me the, me the megaphone, I just 
said exactly how I felt and what I thought, and I had nothing planned out, but I didn't end up sounding that stupid, so it was all in all pretty amazing. I can only fathom how amazing it felt and freeing it felt to be up there talking in front of all these people. It's kind of funny because I added that clip in there of you talking, but uh, I believe this is going to wrap it up for our podcast for today, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys next time. This has been the Student Project Spotlight on CCRI Radio. Tune in each week for stories and reporting from students in CCRI courses. Learn more about courses in the Communication and Film Media Program at ccri.edu. You're listening to CCRI Radio from the Community College of Rhode Island online at ccri.edu.